Hey Hill City, my name is Deandra and I'm a part of the team here. We are so glad you're online with us this morning. We want you to know that Hill City is a safe place for you to get to know Jesus. So if you are curious and have doubts, questions or fears, we would be so honored to talk with you through them. We want to know who you are, check in with you and see how you're doing. You can fill out a connection card on our website to help get you connected with people. Today, we've got a few songs and then the next message in our sermon series. Thanks so much for being here.
Sing a little louder In the presence of my enemy 
You know, um, that song, it, we were going to do this series that we're in uh, right now called Built the Last. It was actually supposed to be three weeks longer, um, but um, actually that song has actually been part of what um, has made me feel like we need to pivot in this series. Now, we're not going to do it today. We're going to do it in a couple of weeks, but uh, we're going to do like a, a five or six week series on just the Holy Spirit. And um, because there's been like a cool like thing that's just been happening within our community um, over the past few months, honestly, where just the Spirit of God is moving in people's lives in such a transformative way. And um, we're hearing so many like incredible stories. And um, part of what we've started to see and hear is a, a lot of even conversation around like, but I don't understand what's happening. <laughs> you know, or I don't understand how the Spirit moves. And I don't understand a lot about the Spirit of God thing. And so we're going to take um, five, six weeks to just talk about that uh, together. I'm coming up in a couple weeks. But um, we're still in the series called Built the Last. And so, again, if you're new here with us, my name is John Wagler. Um, I'm part of this team. And just so grateful that you're here. Um, we'd love to connect with you uh, if you're new. And if this is a place you want to call home, uh, on your way out at the info bar, there'll be some people that are ready and willing and able to answer questions that you might have about our community and uh, what it means to be connected here. And just so grateful that uh, you're here. Um, we're in this series called Built the Last, and, and this is really about, in essence, like what the church is like, why the church is so essential, um, why it matters that the church should be a priority in our lives. And, um, and, and that doesn't matter if you're single, if you're married, if you're dating, whatever. Um, it should be a, a priority in our lives. When Josh was doing the welcome, we were talking like right before um, the service started. And we were just talking about like why church should be a priority. And, and, uh, and he said, like, yeah, it's like this one thing, just even when you think about your kids, it's like, do you want your kids to go to church 10 years from now? You know, and it's like, and if the answer is yes, then guess what? As parents and your kids need to see that how important church is, right? It's like kind of simple math. I don't know if that's math, but it's simple logic. But, and so, um, but there's like some elements here of like, why the church, why is it so important in so much times of like uncertainty, so, many, so much time of like wondering if, like what in the world is going on? There's so much chaos. It's like, man, the church is essential, and it should be a priority in our lives. And so we've been spending the last several weeks just talking about that and trying to add layers to our understanding of what this is and why this is so important. And, um, and even last week we talked about how like this is such a sacred moment. Um, today, like coming in, you know, it's like, man, you're in, you're in a sacred moment with other people right now. Um, which is you can't say that all the time, but like, man, there's a sacredness to what we're doing here uh, this morning and it's so important. So um, this week, I want to talk about something that I, I, is, how many of you guys appreciate grace when you receive? Yeah, yeah, right? So we're going to talk about that today and, and why we should be a grace-filled, graceful community and why that's so important and what that actually leads to. Um, you know, when you read the teachings of Jesus, one of the things that uh, is interesting about Jesus and uh, actually all the New Testament writers in and of themselves is um, they loved confrontation. I don't know if you know that or not, um, but when you pick up the Bible and you read it, um, there's a lot of confrontation that's happening. Like Jesus is confronting the way people think. He's confronting the way they think about their lives. He's confronting preconceived notions that they have. He's confronting religious systems. He's confronting people who say they follow him and whether they do or not. The New Testament, the other New Testament writers do uh, as well. How many of you guys enjoy confrontation? 
right? Some of you guys are like, yep, right? You're like, we, you can be aware of those people. No, just kidding. Like, I actually kind of like it myself. I mean, because like, there's just like something like, I don't know, I enjoy it. But like, there, but there's, there's an element of when we talk about uh, confrontation, it's like, man, the, part of the reason why I like it is like, man, things get solved, or they should, when it's like a healthy confrontation, right? And, and what it means is when you're confronting something, you're, you're stepping in and saying, you know what, this isn't the way something should be, and we need to take care of this. And so Jesus is doing this. And the reason why we don't like it is not because we're not capable. Like sometimes people will be like, you know, I'm just I'm not wired for that. I'm like, you are. It's just more of like a healthy element of how to engage confrontation, why it becomes so important in our lives and why it's important to understand um, why we do that relationally. And, and so, but Jesus is doing this with people. He's like, man, if you really want to follow me, and I'm going to confront some things to you. In John chapter 6, and um, this isn't our passage today, but in John chapter 6, if you go back and read it, he is confronting all of these people who are saying they follow him. And at one point, he's like, they're like, this is too hard. And he just goes, I know. That's it. And he's like, but if you want to follow me, this is, like, this is just the way it is. And so there's this element of this. And so I want to talk about something that, that is so important in what needs to be confronted within uh, the church. And, and this is the idea of the difference between grace and pride. All right, and so I want to start off talking about what the problem is, and then we're going to get into why grace becomes this solution and what grace actually leads to. And then it's going to add another layer to why the church is uh, so important. See, here's what happens when pride comes into play. When pride is at the center of our thinking and the center of our actions, um, there are no limits to what we will do to hurt one another. And so um, if you've ever been in a relationship of any kind, from friendship to family, the answer is everyone has been, right? But like to friendship to family, to dating, to married, to whatever. You know this, when pride comes into a relationship, you have no limits in what you'll do to hurt the other person. And some of you guys have felt that and experienced it. Um, when you look outwardly at what's happening around us, you see, hold on a second, people are just hurting one another all the time, right? People are just hurting one another all the time. And at the center of it is this prideful way of thinking. And so I want to show you guys some signs of pride here um, that I think are just, they're more than this, but these are just a few that I jotted down because we see these so much. And the first one is comparison. This is typically, typically the first one that happens. That we start comparing ourselves to one another or comparing our situation or comparing something. That this is what we start feeling this. And what ends up happening is when you start a life of comparison, I promise you, you it'll end in pride. Because your life will be all about how you get like, yourself to be better than someone else. Or yours, elevate your life bigger than what someone else is doing. And so comparison becomes a key part of this. Comparison, um, defensiveness, these are all signs. Um, insecurity, self-righteousness, lack of confession and vulnerability. This is a big one. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. But if you have not confessed something to someone personally about where you're struggling or sin that you're working through, there's pride laced into that. Here's what I know about every person in this room. You, you sin at times. And when you sin, there's something that's there. And you know why we don't get rid of it? Like James actually talks about this. We're supposed to confess these sins to one another. 
A lot of times we're like, I'm just going to pray about it. I'm going to confess it to God. The reason why we confess it to God and it feels so easy, and that's still okay, okay? But it feels easy because guess what? You don't have to look at someone else in the eye until they say, they say this, like, this is something I'm struggling with right now. I need to confess this to you. And so confession, if we don't see that, that's because pride is coming into play. Um, commu- having community based on agreement, meaning that like the second you disagree, you disband from community, right? That's a prideful, that's pride-centered community. Um, you have a critical spirit. You have false, humi- false humility. Like you, you know if you're humble or not, right? Yeah, like you don't tell people you're humble. Like you're just you're like, man, I just, my biggest... Complaint is the people think I'm so humble, right? Like we don't like do that. Um, or like when someone's like, you know, it's like I've used this example before. When someone's complimenting you and the false humility is like, no, like stop. <laughs> right? Like, like it's a false humility when you do that. Um, just like accept the encouragement, right? Um, we get judgmental. We get judgmental. Um, and then the last one, um, and this is the one we're actually going to talk about here in just a minute, um, but is actually greed. We get greedy. And we're going to talk about this in in a second, but um, it's because grace becomes the antidote to to all these things. In particular, grace becomes the antidote to to greed. And so here is the premise for today, that a grace-filled community will no longer be numb to the realities of a prideful life. You see, all these things that I just put it as signs, we accept them. Those signs of pride, we accept them too easily. And what ends up happening is we actually eventually become numb to them in our lives. And, and we start looking at other things that might be, we might like look at what's happening within the context of a community and we're like, we're, we like see certain things like, yeah, comparison is so bad, isn't it? But until we name that, like, you know what happens in that though? But like pride wells up inside of me. And until we name that part, like we kind of accept that comparison is just a reality. Everyone does it. It's social media's fault. And it's like, but maybe it's actually our pride's fault. And so it's important to to bring this in. So when we become grace-filled, then we're no longer numb to those things, and we start thinking about this differently. So when I say grace, you probably, in all reality, if you're kind of thinking, what's the meaning of grace? You probably think something like it's a gift or it's like unmerited favor, right? It's kind of how we typically talk about grace. Um, in particular when it comes to, like, around biblical teachings. But I want to show you guys grace. In the, for those of you not familiar with the Bible, the OT just means Old Testament. I just got lazy from writing it. So um, grace in the Old Testament, grace in the New Testament. So I was just, like, looking at, all right, what are some of the ways that grace kind of plays out in the Old and the New Testament? And it adds layers of, of what this word actually means. Um, yes, it does mean like unmerited favor, like that's an element, and it does mean gift, but it also means some other things too within the context of scripture. So you've got like a beauty and an elegance to grace, right? And, and we know that, and we've seen it, and we've kind of, you probably said at someone, Ooh, man, the way they move, it's so, it's so graceful. Right? There's like an element. When you watch like a ballerina, the way they stand, or the way they, they move their bodies, it's like, man, there's this, this grace that happens to it. If you're at the no Olympics, when I did my ribbon dance, there's like so much grace that went to it. Um, but, the, but there's also like there's this part of it that I actually found fascinating. Um, and we didn't know this. Like one of the things that we always say here is we want to create a safe, safe place for people to explore the faith. And um, we did not even 
I didn't know this until actually this week, that part of what that word grace actually means is creating a safe place. That well, the word that's used in the Old Testament talks about like they, build, they would build these, um, for those that were hurting and everything, they would like, build like a, a tent structure, a safe, comfortable place for people to find like a home in, basically. And it was a, it was a, grace, a graceful thing to do. Um, was this idea of creating a safe place. Um, favor from God to man is what we see in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, we see favor. We see gratitude and kindness. We see grace as a building of your faith. We see grace as like helpfulness. And then we see grace as like a powerful action. All right, so grace, all of a sudden, it adds some layers to this. And this is why it becomes so essential to, to who we are as a community. So even woven within the culture of the Roman culture, grace only happened one way. And you only received grace from the elite um, the, the elite could be the only people that could actually give someone grace. And you, the elite only gave it to the elite. It was never, the grace was not given to people of poorer stature and everything. So there was like favoritism involved, even within the context of Roman culture. And I want us to have that kind of framework because when we read today's passage, all of those things are going to come into play and in why they are important. But here's the thing. When the early church, um, those that like, were closest to Jesus, started following Jesus and the church started, this idea of grace was so essential because when it started playing and how it played out within the community, I want you to see a couple of verses here. Um, of, of, these are kind of like, when you first read them, it's like, oh, that's not that big of a deal. But, but there's something like so pivotal about the way that they talked about grace. And, and what it actually meant to, to follow Jesus. And again, this is why the church was so important. It should still be today. In Romans 15, 7, accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. And so when a grace-filled community is actually at play, here's what ends up happening. You, we look at one another and we accept one another in the same way that Christ accepted us. Like that's the baseline. Has Christ accepted you? And if you say yes, so do I. Isn't that, like, it's powerful to say it that way. Like, it's so, it, it seems so simplistic, but that's what he's saying. He's like, it, it's like we accept because Jesus said, I accept you, right? And then because Christ accepted you, then you might look at someone else and be like, there's no way Christ would accept them. And if the answer is yes, then guess what we do? We accept them as well. And it's a powerful, powerful statement, because guess what? They were just as divided back then. There was just as much favoritism back then. There's all those things. It's like when we think, man, it's the worst it ever could be is right now. I'm like, I don't know. Pick up your Bible and read it, right? And so like, even when it's like this is written, it's like it's crazy. Because even me saying to this right now, like, like every Christian should be that way right now. Even for us right now, it's like, whoa, that would be radical. But it's like, this is what was going on when people were actually following Jesus. And I love the last part of that. It says this, in order to bring praise to God. Here's what this means. If you do not accept one another, guess what you cannot do? Bring praise to God. Adds a little weight to it, doesn't it? Rather than just kind of paying lip service to the whole idea of like, yeah, 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 we're in this together. Yeah, we're good. No, no, no. In order for us to bring praise to God, we have to accept one another. Second one there, 1 Peter 2.17, show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Like, sure, fear God, sure. Honor the emperor, hold on. When Peter wrote this, get this, all right? 
I'm not, again, not going to ask for a raising of hands in here. When Peter wrote this, guess what? The emperor was burning Christians at the stake and using them as human torches. And he said, we still need to honor the emperor. So if I were to go through and be like, all right, in the last few presidencies, from President Obama to President Trump to currently President Biden, how many of you guys would have done something dishonorable to one of those in what you've said, what you wrote, what you liked, what you shared, what you commented on? But wags, they're the worst. Peter writes, no, 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 we, we honor. Ah, feels radical. James 4, 6, and 7, this is out of the message verse. It says, and what he gives in love is far better than anything else you'll find. It's common knowledge that God goes against the willful proud, but gives grace to the willing humble. It's like, man, you got to understand that like, when pride wells up, we dishonor people, and there are no limits to it. When pride wells up, we will not accept one another. Because you don't, you don't agree exactly what I think. And so we run from one another. But man, God gives grace to the humble. And he's like, a grace-filled community, it just looks different. It acts different. Paul, uh, who is one of the early Christians uh, and early fathers of the faith, he, he writes this in 2 Corinthians 8. And I want you to see this because this passage is just loaded with so much beauty about grace. He says, and now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God, look at this, has given. So this grace comes from God, okay, to the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in what? Rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They give themselves first to all to, of, of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. So we urged Titus, who's another leader in the church, just as he had earlier made a beginning, uh, to bring also uh, part to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, look at this, he said, you excel in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love that we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in the grace of giving. It's interesting, we don't often associate with like this idea of generosity is associated with grace, but what Paul's saying is here, like, mm, there's something significant here. There's something significant here. I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace, here it is again, of the Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for his sake became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. And here's my judgment about what is best for you in this matter. Last, last year, uh, you were the first not only to give, but also have the desire to do so. This is like an encouraging element. He says, now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of according to your means. So he's saying here, he's like, 
You, you say you want to, now do it, right? And I'm going to go ahead and assume in this, in, like everyone who's here today, and that will be here in the second service, I'm going to go ahead and assume everyone walking in this building will say this, yes, I would like to be generous. I'm going to go out on a limb and say no one's like, you know what, I love being greedy. Greedy's, greed is great, right? No one's going to say it. So what Paul would say is like, it's awesome. Now complete it. I love that it's in your head. Now make it a reality. He says, now finish the work so your eagerness will do and maybe match the completion of it. And he says, for if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but that there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. The goal is equality. As it is written, the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. So I want to talk about just two things, about this idea of like, all right, when grace actually flows through us, as a community, I want, you, I want you to see and feel why this becomes so essential and why it becomes so important. Here's the first thing, that grace keeps us open-minded. Grace keeps us open-minded. Um, we become, when I read earlier that it, about this idea of like accepting one another, um, we have got to be open-minded. We have got to be open-handed. We have got to be, um, are there things that like, are, are, like, we, we can't sway on? Yes, for instance, Jesus died and rose again. If someone comes in here and it's like, I don't know, and you need to be a church that says, I don't know, I'll say like, no, right? Like, at the essence, at the core of Christianity, Jesus died and rose again. You cannot get away from that, all right? But man, there are a whole lot of other things that when we begin to talk, it's like, we've got to be open-handed a little bit and begin to see like, all right, I don't know everything. And... Every single person that enters into a faith in Jesus, you bring your own context, how you were raised, where you were raised, your own life experiences, the, the, your Sunday school teacher, what they taught. Like, we all bring all those things to the table. And it's an understanding of like, all right, well, we enter in one together of saying like, well, do you believe Jesus died and rose again? Okay, we can start there. Do you believe he's the son of God? Okay, we can start there. Do you believe, like, you kind of work, work, we work through these things together. We're like, I want to be open-handed in this stuff because guess what? Our community should be messy. I know we don't love that idea, but a grace-filled community will be messy because here's what you have to do. You have to allow space for people. You've got to work through things with people. You've got to be able to say, and sometimes it's like, there's so many times that like, I just want to tell people what to do, but I have to sit there and be like, well, what do you think? What would be best? And, and, and guess what? Then they come back a few months from now. I'm like, I'm still doing it. I'm like, I know. <laughs> I know. Let's talk boundaries. Let's talk, like, and you, and it, but it's messy. It's messy. Most of us in this room had someone in our lives that appreciated the mess. And they helped walk us through it. And they were like, you know what? When you weren't great, <laughs> when you didn't have it together, when you were uh, constantly going back and forth and like sometimes you did good, sometimes you didn't, or most of the time we were not doing things well, and then it's, 
It's a man, someone was there like, I'm with you, 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 and you can't believe they're still with you. And like, I'm with you, there's space here for you, come sit with me at church, like all that stuff. And then all of a sudden, it kind of clicked for you, and then you're like, I get it, I get it. And that other person's like, thank God, right? <laughs> it's been so long. And, and, it's, and now we always say like, oh my gosh, God answered prayers, everything. But internally, a little bit sometimes, like, oh, thank you. Thank you for finally getting this, right? And, but what? It's like, it's grace. It's grace. It's grace. It's not, you're not ignoring truth. It's like, but it's like grace and grace. It's messy. I shared this story before that when uh, at a church, when I was in college or just out of college, and there was a, a church that I attended, and um, I, I drank a lot. And, um, and I would come into Sunday mornings fairly often, I'm still smelling like alcohol from the night before. But I had this habit, I was like, ah, I just, I didn't always go, but I was like, I'm just gonna go to church today, whatever. And I remember that like one time, I'm sitting on, in the, this row and um, uh, sitting next to some older women and I burped and it smelled like alcohol and I knew, like I could like, if you guys have ever drank before and you know that, it's like you feel it come out of you. And I was just like, that is going to smell. Like, it's going to smell so bad. And, um, and I knew it, and it came out, right? And the ladies next to me, one of them just kind of looked over at me. And we get up for this greeting time, and guess what they do not do? They don't come over to me. They actually turn away from me, and I just stood there by myself. Now, in a grace-filled community, because they smelled it, no question. In a grace-filled community, that person or those two women would have sat there and been like, whoa, I cannot believe he's in church right now. Whoa, let me go introduce and show him love. Whoa, let me give him a mint. Whoa, let me do like something, right? Like there's something they could have done. And like there's like you could have just interacted in that way, but they didn't. Didn't, they missed out on grace. And that is never, and that was Lord knows how long ago, 24 years ago at this point. 23 years ago. That's never left me. And so even when, even in our community here, like, when people have been like, did you see? And I'm like, what did you do? A couple years ago, someone was like, did you see what that girl was wearing? I was like, well, what did you do? How did you make her feel welcomed? Oh, did you see that guy that came in? He reeked of alcohol. What did you do to make him feel loved? That's what a grace-filled community steps into. Even when we get in kind of like the, I know everything's crazy with politics and opinions and everything else, but it's like, no, no, no. What are we doing to make people feel loved? The way I thought about it this week was this. Our posture is more important than our, our opinions. Our posture towards other people is infinitely more important than our opinions. When we disagree, our posture matters. When we disagree on how much grace we show one another, deeply matters. Well, why? Because they're not showing me grace. That's not the point. When our hearts are filled with grace, our posture is actually what's important. And so even for us this morning, we've got to wrestle with, have I focused more on my opinions or my posture? Because that tells us how we're going to treat one another. That tells us how gracious and kind we're going to be to one another. Grace makes us live for people and not against them. So when we see Christians being hateful towards other people, when we see Christians being so argumentative, when we see Christians being so divisive, when we see all this stuff, it's like, no, 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 grace makes us live for people, not against them. 
when they're not where we would hope that they would be. We, we live for them and we step into this with them. If we don't grow in grace, we will become susceptible to a pride-filled perspective. All those things that I put up there before, the signs, it's like, when what Paul writes here is like, you grow in grace. You grow in it. One of the things that I was thinking through this, this week as I was jotting down notes was, I don't, I don't know that I've actually prayed to grow in grace. That I can remember. I pray for the Spirit to move in me and like, you know, and all these things. And, the, and, and God, would you like make my heart like deeper, more sensitive to things? But, but I was like, I want to start using the phrase, I want to grow. God, would you, would you allow me to grow in grace? And start having that as a reality because I don't want to be susceptible to, to prideful things because here's what I know about myself. I've done it. <laughs> I've done it in the past like 18 months. There's no doubt I've cared more about my opinions and my posture sometimes. There's no doubt I've gotten prideful on something that I felt over what someone else felt. It's like, you guys remember when Jesus washed the disciples' feet? I was thinking about that this week. It's like, he's going one by one and washing his feet, all their feet. And for those of you that know the story, one of them, this guy named Judas, was going to betray him, and, Ju- and Jesus knew it already. So he didn't go up to his feet and be like, nah, dude, I'm not touching those bunions. Like, he just like, he was like, no, I'm going to wash your feet too, even though I know you're going to betray me. Come on. That kind of community? The Bible's like, yeah, that's the kind of community what it means to follow Jesus. But wags, they're gonna, we wash the feet. But wags are gonna, we're people of grace. But wags are gonna, we keep the right posture. And we enter in in this incredible way. These people out of Macedonia, I love this. In the midst of their very severe trial, their overflowing joy, and their extreme poverty. Isn't this crazy? They're going through the worst thing possible because they were so grace-filled. It's like they just had this overflowing joy. In the midst of their extreme circumstances, unbelievable generosity comes out of them. That can only happen with a grace-filled heart. It's the only way. It's the only way. Even in verse 5, it says this, and they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves, look at this, first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. See, we will never, ever live for other people until we first give ourselves to the Lord. The reason why we get so full of pride the reason why we miss out on being generous, the reason why we just kind of neglect what's going on, the reason why we get so like, close-handed on things is because, man, we haven't given ourselves first to God. That becomes critical in our understanding of generosity. Grace unites us with Jesus while pride puts us on a path away from him. So even when you start thinking about, like when I, when I see the world around me and I think to myself, and I, you got to like step back and be like, is this a gracious way to interact with people? Is this, is this posture that these people are taking towards these other people? Is that one, is that the right gracious way to like engage? If the answer is no, here's the end result. It'll be anti-Jesus. And so that's how we enter into the conversation. Here's the second and the last thing. 
And grace leads to generosity. Grace leads to generosity. Um, if wealth led to abundant joy and overflowing happiness, America would be Disneyland. But it isn't. And so we're missing out on something. We're missing out. Something's missing. And so I think it's important then begin to see like what is actually going on here. When we fully understand the grace we've been given, generosity feels like it's the only possible response. Like we live a life, we live a life that is like, man, it's just full of generosity. Does living a life of generosity, um, does it make your life more simple? Yes, it does. Because our, our hearts are oriented towards others. And so our lives become way more simple because we're just not concerned with me, 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 me. I mean, you, we all know this, right? Does greed make your life better? No. For those of you who are like staring at me, it doesn't, okay? It doesn't. Like, greed does not make your life better. So isn't it fascinating then that there's got to be a reason then why we won't be generous? Either we haven't come to grips with our pride about our greed that has resulted in greed, or we don't fully understand the grace we've been given from Jesus. And so our hearts start becoming oriented in a different way. Are we, are we more spiritually aware of the needs of people around us and loving when we're serving and when we're generous towards others? Yes. So it would make sense then for every Christian to have a heart of generosity, to have a heart to want to serve others all the time. To like have that kind of mindset in how we begin to engage. Um, generosity actually imitates the heart of God. And so this is a part of like when I say our community, when we started our church, it was like, I don't, Lacey and I were like, we don't ever want to be leading a church where radical generosity isn't at the heart of it. Because if it isn't, then here's what I know, then we've gotten prideful as a church and as a community. We're neglecting the way in, in the ways of Jesus and what he taught. And then eventually what we'll do is we'll become about ourselves and not about the people that God has put before us. And so when we want to lace this idea of generosity, it ain't about us. It's about like, man, why do I want everyone in here to be generous? It's because I know that when we are, it's like, man, grace has infused this place and God will do things that we can't possibly fathom. When we become an answer to people's prayers, it's, it's pretty crazy like what, what ends up happening within this. I love this part in verse eight because I want you to feel this. Paul says, I am not commanding you, but I do want to test you. I want to test your sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. You might be thinking like, I thought we weren't supposed to compare. There's a different heart behind this. Paul's saying, listen, you say you love Jesus. You say this is who you are. You say this is the community you want, want, 
you want to be. But I just want to test it. I just want to test it. I want to see if this is real. I just want to see who you guys are and what you guys are really about. I want to... Um, I just want to highlight and encourage us for a second. I'm not, um, I'm not, so I'm not, here's what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to give up to anybody. Like, so you, everyone in here should give 10%. I'm not saying that. What I am saying, and this is what Paul was like when he was like, I want to test this. I want to test your sincerity. I want to see, like, give what you can, like that, like that kind of heart and that kind of mindset. He's not kind of commanding anything. I always say this part. Everyone should pick a percentage, start there, and grow it. Pick a percentage, start there, and grow it. Here's what I know. When our hearts are generous, the percentage means nothing. Because like, you get excited about giving more. You just do. Like, generous, like, the generous people in this room right now do not care that I'm talking about generosity. Because they know how exciting it is. And they know how joyful it is. And they know what impact it has. And so when we talk about a graceful community, it makes a difference. So I want to talk to you guys just for a second about the realities of what our community has been able to do. And um, and I want this to be an encouragement because it's awesome. Um, So for our first seven years, and we just celebrated our seventh birthday, um, we've been able to give away $1.2 million um, to people. Um, That's just pure cash, okay, of like just helping people and um, and helping organizations. Um, We have helped... Uh, with foster care, with adoption, um, in many different ways in underserved communities. Um, we've helped with education, um, with fair housing. We've, stopped, um, we've been working with organizations around stopping human trafficking. We're doing a lot right now with refugee resettlement, um, jobs for folks coming out of prison, um, addiction recovery. We've done after-school programming. We've got medical care in poor areas. We've helped other churches. Um, actually keep their doors open. We've helped in pregnancy resource centers. Um, we've um, given away, helped like, provide hundreds of thousands of meals to people, individuals and couples uh, with counseling, um, folks facing homelessness, um, people who needed cars, uh, we've, um, people who've gone through like deaths and stuff in their, in their, in their families. Um, and the list goes on and on and on. If I were to put up the list of organizations that we've just been a part of supporting in this area of Richmond, you'd be blown away. They're all on our website, but they all kind of attach in all these areas. We've been able to help um, some missionaries go out and and do stuff across the world. And so, um, and that's just like, that's not even counting the realities of um, what happens even like here. Um, on a Sunday, like your generosity helps like this space be better um, for people. Uh, the way that you serve other people, uh, if you're serving on a team, I see some Hill City Kids shirts out there right now. The way you guys serve on a team, whether it's on our guest services team or with kids or in the band or uh, uh, coaching a discipleship track, wh- whatever it is, um, that is also a level of generosity. And here's what I know. Um, when people serve their hearts for generosity grows. Even, even the, all the data says that people who are actually generous with their money actually serve other people too, with their time. 
And so like a great way, if you're thinking like, well, how do I cultivate? Like there's budgeting things, of course, and there's picking a percentage and everything. But one of the other ways that's actually an incredible way to grow your heart of generosity is actually to serve and find a place to serve. And that's why I talked about, hey, we've got options for kids to be able to serve with our kids. Like that's a great way to do that. Serve on guest services. We've got plenty of places you can serve. Like join a team and be a part of that. And so we've done a really good job as a community. And listen, some of what I just said, like it goes way beyond that. Like there are things that, if we were to bring up all the organizations that we help support, like the money, like, well, I'll just use Camp Hope with Amy and Bob Foley and a bunch of you guys have served there before. But we've helped them a lot. So it isn't just about helping Camp Hope. That money has gone and helped so many kids. So many kids. And so this idea of like, man, when people encounter our church, this is what I want at the heart of it. It's like, man, they're overwhelmingly generous. Like, it's insane. It's insane. And you know why? Because we know the grace we've received from Jesus. It's the kind of community that we have. And so our heart goes to just people that are in need. And our heart goes to like wanting to create space here too. That is like when people walk in, it's like, man, this is a place that I can be and I can call home and I can grow uh, in my faith. Band, you guys can come back up. So here's my ask for you guys when it comes to generosity. One is that you would pick a percentage and be a consistent giver. But two, I want you to prep for something. For those of you that have been around, um, we always do this thing called the share offering every single year. And in this share offering, here's what we ask for people, um, that you give one day's wage. All right, so if you make 30 grand, that's 115 bucks. If you make 60, um, that's 230. If you make 100, that's 384. You could do math after that. But, um, and here's what we do. Um, We take all of the money that comes, and this is like our above and beyond giving that we do. And so Lacey and I will get together and and we'll cut our check um, for above and beyond what we normally do. And... um, we give every single cent of that away. And so we pick some organizations and we'll list those here in the upcoming weeks. But we give every cent away to these organizations and we just write massive checks to them. And, um, you know, like last year, like we wrote like a 32 grand check to someone and like, you know, like there's just like, so it's kind of come up on November 14th and um, I would love for 100% of us to be involved in that. Some of you guys might, might think to yourself, man, Wags, it's been a rough year. And the idea of me giving one day's wage is really hard. And then I would just say this, then do what you can. Because here's what I know. There's going to be someone else who's had a really great year who's going to say one day's wage is nothing, and I'm going to quadruple that, or I'm going to do more than that, and we're going to crush this thing. But together, what ends up happening, last year we gave away, I think it was $172,000, just with one offering, we just gave it all away. And so um, we give away a lot of other money besides that throughout the year. Um, but this is like a big thing, and so I just want our hearts to be prepared for that, um, because this is what a grace-filled community um, actually does. So we're going to pause here for just a minute, and um, I want us to just kind of take in what God might be putting in our hearts. And so can we throw a minute up there, Mish and Spend some time in silence and allow God to just prep whatever's in your heart.
So God, this morning, we're going to sing this one last song together. And such a beautiful song of what good grace really is and what it means and what happens in a community that's full of it. And so, God, I just, um, I want to pray that we would understand the grace that we've received from you with your death and resurrection and something that we didn't deserve, but this forgiveness of our sin and everything, what it means to follow you, what an unbelievably gracious act and generous act that it is. God, I pray that our posture would be in the right place of how to interact with all of this. And, um, and God, I just pray that we've done such a good job of just being a generous church and I know you've got more for us there and whether it's people joining the team and serving, um, maybe becoming first-time consistent givers, um, what's going to happen with the share offering, um, the generosity to help people in this community and make such a big statement of who you are. God, even like the generosity, it just helps like make things happen in this church from having a space like this to the staff and things like that. Um, God, I pray that our generosity honors you and um, through all of that, your name becomes great in this city. And that we become known um, as a church that is just radically generous because we're so full of grace and an understanding of who you are. We give this to you in your name we pray. Amen. Will you stand and sing this last song? All right, we'll do this in five. Cool. Always wanted to do this. Hi, my name is Brian, and I'm one of the interns here at Hill City. We're so glad you were here with us this morning. We want you to know that Hill City is a safe place for you to get to know Jesus. And if you have, if you're curious and have doubts and questions or fears, we are honored to talk to you through them. If you've been watching with us online, we want you to check out and get to know how you are doing. You can fill out a connection card on our website and get connected with real people. Today we're going to have a few songs and then go through the next message of our sermon series. Brian. Thank you. <laughs>